All right. Thanks for tuning in again. This is Robert Paulson with Foolish Ministries. Today's episode is on biblical prophecy past. Um, we are going to be in Psalms chapter 2. Um, be sure and check out our blog on foolishministries.com as well for a couple useful links. Um, and I'm going to get right into it. In Psalms chapter 2, I find it amazing. It is a messianic prophecy. It's a prophecy about the coming Christ, about Jesus. Uh, but in this one chapter, God also prophetically lays out the entire plan for the human race. Uh, truly, you can see where we are now in God's redemptive history. You can see what's coming next for humanity. It's really amazing. And so I'm going to get right in. We're going to be cross-referencing tons of different verses today. So I want to make sure uh, that I keep us organized here. So um, I'm going to get right into it. Psalm chapter 2. Uh, the first word is why. So there's a question, and we want to answer that question. It says, why do the nations rage? This, this is the entire earth. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? That's a worthless thing. Um, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. So the kings, the rulers, everybody with a lot of authority is, is scheming together. And then it says they're scheming against the Lord, against God, and against his anointed. Okay, that's the Christ. All right. And Psalms is written by David about a thousand years before Christ is born, okay? This is prophesying him. Um, but I'm going to take us to some verses in the book of Acts now, uh, describing the acts of the apostles of Jesus. So we're fast-forwarding about a thousand years here. And they attribute this psalm to Jesus Christ. Uh, they say word for word that by the mouth of your servant David, okay, said, why did the nations rage? and the people plot vain things. So, so the Acts, the apostles, they're attributing this to Christ, right? The kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers were gathered against the Lord and against his Christ. And then just a few verses down, they turn it right to Jesus. They say, for truly against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. It goes on to say Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, which are the nations, and the people of Israel, everybody, Jews and Gentiles, everybody is gathered together. But this is a really beautiful, this is an amazing part. It says to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. This is God's plan, right? So the nations made a mistake, right? We're scheming, we're plotting, we killed Jesus, right? We're against the Lord and against his anointed. But God, this is all God's plan, okay? And I want to read another verse now. I'm going to jump to Isaiah. This is about 700 years before Christ. Uh, just to kind of explain the magnitude of this, that, that the Bible is God revealing his plans. So he says the nations are going to plot a vain thing, right? And then uh, there's several fulfillments of that. The most important, the apostles are saying, you guys plan to kill Jesus and you did, but that was God's plan. And so I'm just going to go to Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 and 10. Um, and it says very clearly, it says, remember the former things of old, right? That's what we're doing right now. We're looking into the past. We're looking into scripture for I am God and there is no other. 
I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So this is huge. It can almost be kind of scary, right? Because he's not saying, good job killing Jesus. No, he's saying, you messed up right? This was a mistake, and yet that still accords with my predetermined plan, okay? And so, and that's a mystery, but that that's what this is saying. And, and Isaiah, I love what Isaiah is saying here. Uh, God is saying, he's saying, I am God. Why? Well, because I declare the end from the beginning, right? I mean, that's huge. Um, so let's get back to the, to the psalm now, okay? So we've seen that the nations are raging. They're plotting a vain thing. They killed Jesus. But remember, it starts with a question. Why do the nations rage, okay? And, and this is pretty important. It kind of answers it here. It says, let us break their bonds. The nations are saying, let us break their bonds. Well, whose bonds? <laughs> the Lord and his anointed, right? God and Christ. Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. Remember, Jesus said, people hate me because I testify that their deeds are evil. So all the nations, right, they're gathered against Jesus. Uh, and this is kind of eschatological, right? This is talking about the end now, too. And we'll get more into that in a minute. But that's why people hate Jesus. That's why people hate God. That's why the nations rage. The bonds is the law, which the law of God, the Ten Commandments, and all the testimonies and what God tells us to do, that's because he loves us. And, and when we read it, Okay, if we don't want to follow the law, right, we, we get to realize our true character. It shows us who we really are, our fallen state, and who God is, his, perfect, his perfection, his righteousness. Uh, but the nations who do not turn to Christ, right, who do not get redeemed, they're going to want in the end to break those bonds, cast away the cords, right? And so that's, that's very prophetical right there. So I'm going to go on. It then says, and this is kind of scary, it says, he who sits in the heavens, so this is God, and he who sits in the heavens shall laugh, okay? So they're trying to cast away the cords, and, and it says God will laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure, Okay? So God is saying, you're planning this. You killed Jesus. You hate the law. You're trying to break the cords of the law, change the law of God. I mean, you can take this all the way back to the Garden of Eden, where, you know, the, the serpent, the enemy said, you'll be as gods knowing right from wrong. You see, the Bible, the word of God shows us whatever feels good or, or is peaceful, like, you know, enjoyable, that's not always what's good, okay? God knows what's good and what's evil, right? And so you can take it all the way back there. Um, but it says, I will speak to them in my wrath, okay? Uh, there's another verse in Proverbs. This is written by Solomon, David's son. And so you see the teaching that David, that God through the Holy Spirit gave David and now to Solomon, uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verses four and five. It says, and this is, this is terrifying. It says, the Lord has made all for himself. 
Yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. The day of the doom, I believe that's the day of the Lord, right? Judgment day, okay? And, and uh, what he's saying there is that all will glorify the Lord. You know, Psalm says even the wrath of man will glorify God in the end. Um, but then it goes on to say everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. So going back to Psalms, you can see it says, you know, why are they plotting a vain thing? They're taking counsel together. They're joining forces. But here you're seeing that won't save them, right? So he's kind of laying out the, the, the path for humanity here. I'm going to get back uh, to the Psalm now. And this is huge. I, I want to spend some time on this. So, so you have just to sum up, right? Why do the nations rage? They, they've, you know, they've, uh, it, in Acts, they say they've killed Jesus. They're against the Lord. They want to break the cords. They want to break the bonds of the law. Uh, and then God speaks to them in his wrath. And here's what he says. And this is, this is awesome. So I want to make sure I explain it correctly. Yet I have set my king, my king. Now, God doesn't have a king, right? God is almighty. So yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Um, if you're watching, two quick things about Zion. I want to put up a picture of Zion, and whether you're watching or listening, um, I want to. If you go to the website foolishministries.com and you go to breaking news, I haven't posted much, but I just posted an article about uh, you know one of the generals in Iran is threatening Israel, and he calls them. Zionists, okay? And, and you'll understand that Zion is the Mount of Olives in Israel. It, it's right by the temple. It's some of the most hotly contested real estate in the world right now. And it's just full of prophetical meaning. So it's just good to understand that the, the things the Bible is talking about, they are living and active. The world is concerned with them uh, right now. But, but I'm going to get right back to it. I got off topic there. So uh, yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Okay. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, okay, that me is Jesus. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. So God has many names here. You see it's king, it's Lord, it's God, it's son, right? God is a father. God is a son. And I just find this amazing. Um, and I really want to tie in this psalm with Zechariah. So just a few key points. We have that God is speaking in his wrath. He set his king on his holy hill of Zion. That's his plan. His decree is that the Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And so I want to tie this in with Zechariah chapter 14 in a couple verses. Okay, Zechariah 14, it's talking about the day of the Lord where God comes back in judgment. Um, and, and 14 verse 3 says, Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations. These are the same nations where in the end, uh, they're going to be the nations that are raging, right? And it's, why do the nations rage? So then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And then in verse 4, Zechariah 14, verse 4, and in that day, in the day of the Lord, in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. Okay, that's Zion. Zion is the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. 
and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two. How powerful is that? Okay, Jesus Christ will come back to the Mount of Olives and it will literally crack in half when he sets his feet on it. That is huge. And then Zechariah chapter 14, verse 9. And, and this is where you see the Lord and the king coming together. And I want to explain it. It says, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. So God shall be king over all the earth. In that day, in that day, it shall be the Lord is one and his name one. Okay? So in that day, the Lord is one and his name is one. His purpose, who he is, is one. You can almost say, I don't want to go outside of scripture, but you could almost say it like when it's not that day or before that day or now, his name is not one, right? And that's because the, the whole world doesn't know right now that the Lord is Jesus Christ. That's the mission. That's the great commission that we're on right now to explain to people that the Lord is Jesus Christ. And so I want to bring in this Lord, the one who will stand on the Mount of Olives. He's coming back in judgment for war and that the mountain's going to crack. I'm going to bring that to Jesus now. Um, so Acts chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. You right, This is right after Jesus ascends into heaven. Okay, I'm just going to kind of tell this as a story. Jesus ascends into heaven. And then two, two men come uh, dressed in white, they're angels, and they say, why are you gazing up into heaven, okay? This same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven, he ascended, he'll come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven, right? A cloud came, you know, and he ascended, he's going to descend with the clouds. And it says right after that, this is so important, then they return to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Okay, so they're on the Mount of Olives. Jesus ascends, and then the angels say, he's coming back right here. Okay, Zechariah is written hundreds of years before the New Testament. Psalms is written a thousand years before the New Testament, uh, before Jesus is born, right? And it all just perfectly aligns and then just one final thing about the Mount of Olives from Revelation. Chapter 14, verse 1. I want to tie it to Jesus. It says, Then I looked, and behold, a lamb. A lamb. That's Jesus Christ standing on Mount Zion. Uh, so there, it's just as clear and crystal as possible. Okay, the lamb's coming back to Mount Zion in the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, God is coming back to Mount Zion and the Lamb is God. It's Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, right? And so that's just a really clear way to do it. I'm going to move on with the psalm now. We're going to go to verses 8 through 11. So just to sum up once again, we have why do the nations raised, uh, rage against the Lord, against his anointed, his Christ, the Messiah. It's because they want to cast off the law. God speaks to them in his wrath and says, I've set my king up. He's set up. You can't do anything to stop this. It's a decree from Almighty God that he is his son. And, uh, and then we're going to go on. So, so that's, that's kind of where we are right now. Verse, Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. This is where humanity is right now. Uh, verses 8 through 12, this is what is coming. Okay, we believe Christ is coming back to this earth, an, an imperfect earth, to rule it. In a, in a beautiful and blessed way. not uh, He'll rule, rule in perfection, but we don't believe it's going to be a perfect earth 
during those thousand years. Okay, the millennial reign of Christ is really important to understand. I'm going to get more into it in a minute, but I believe Christ is coming back for a thousand years. He is going to rule imperfect mankind perfectly, right? Then there will be a new heaven and a new earth that will be only righteousness, only perfection. I think it's important that we understand that because for me, you know, I get excited about what's coming next. And I think the more real the Bible is to me, the stronger and the, you know, the, the, the stronger I grow in faith when I make the Bible real. So when I see a picture of the Mount of Olives and I know that's where Jesus is coming back, that's exciting to me, right? So although I'm mostly excited about heaven and the eternal state, well, the millennial reign of Christ is sooner, right? And I, you know, it's like, I want what I want right now, right? <laughs> so whatever's sooner, I get a little more excited about. And so the Bible seems to tell us pretty clearly that millennial reign of Christ is coming before the eternal state, okay? And so I'm going to get back into it now. Psalm chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Uh, this is what is coming. So it says, ask of me, God, and I will give you Christ the nations for your inheritance. Okay, all the nations, all the nations that were just raging, right? And the ends of the earth for your possession. Okay, this current earth, he will possess it all as king. It then goes on to say, you shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Therefore, since he's going to rule with a rod of iron, that's strict discipline, okay? Be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth, all the rulers. Serve the Lord with fear, okay? And rejoice with trembling. And what I love about the concept of the Trinity in unity, uh, God almost uses his names interchangeably. It's, almost, it's, it's hard to keep up sometimes, okay? Because he's saying, I'll give you the nations. And then in the bottom, he's saying, serve the Lord, right? And so that's, that's really important. He's using his names very interchangeably, sort of woven throughout the Bible. Um, but if you have to rule people with a rod of iron, that would indicate that they are naturally still disobedient. That's why you have to rule them with the rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel, right? So it's, it's talking about this millennial kingdom. I want to bring this to uh, Zechariah chapter 14 again, okay? It's talking about now after the tribulation, after Christ comes back in judgment, uh, many people will still be alive. And it says, while he's setting up his millennial kingdom, it says, and it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations, right? If you read Revelation, there's terrifying judgments coming, right? So everyone who's left of all the nations, which came against Jerusalem. Guys, this is the whole plan for humanity. God is going to gather nations against Jerusalem. That's coming. I mean, if you have some time, go to some of the United Nations websites. I mean, even right now, Israel is like the size of Rhode Island, and all their minutes and all their meetings and in all of our news, it talks about Israel all the time. This is like a small state on, on the right side of the Mediterranean. It, it's pretty crazy, right? Um, so, uh, sorry, I get off topic talking about Israel. But so it'll come to pass that everyone who's left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king. Remember, in Psalms, it says, I've set my king on my holy, holy mountain, Zion. So they're going up every year to worship the king, 
the Lord of hosts, right? The Lord of armies. That's that's one of the most original names for God, right? Our Lord is a man of war. That's, I think, in the Moses song, right? And to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So you're starting to understand the king is the Lord, right? So when his name is one, okay, it's almost kind of confusing, right? Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. The son is God. The father is God. The king is God. The Lord is the king. The king is the Lord. So it's complex, but when his name is one, you'll realize that it's all one in Christ. And so the Lord of hosts and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So every year, all the nations that survive, they're going to be going up and worshiping Jesus, right? And then it says, and this shows you, there's still going to be sin. This isn't only righteousness. This is why Jesus is going to rule with a rod of iron. It says that whichever of the families of the earth don't come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. Okay? So it kind of explains the path for humanity, right? Just to sum up again, why do the nations rage against God and against his Christ? They want to cast off the law. We naturally want to do whatever we want. God is going to speak to them in his wrath because he has decreed it. He set his king on his holy hill of Zion. It's his son. It's very clear. Um, and so now, we're, and so this is the whole plan for humanity, right? It's, it's getting us there. And so it's getting us to the millennial kingdom, I should say. And so then I'm just going to finish up. This is the last verse in Psalms. It says, Kiss the sun, the sun. This is some of the only real references to the Trinity in scripture. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. And then it says, blessed, happy are all those who put their trust in him. So I want to say that. Kiss the sun, right? And it really is, it's a sign of submission. It's a sign of, it basically means like embrace the discipline, <laughs> Uh, kiss the son, right? Blessed are all those who put their trust in him, okay? In the son, all right? And then you see in Psalms, uh, just a couple chapters later, verses 34, I'm sorry, Psalm chapter 34, verse 22, it says the Lord, this is the good news. I know this, this is all wrath today. <laughs> the Lord redeems the soul of his servants and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Well, right back here, it's saying, kiss the son and put your trust in him. But then here it's saying, put your trust in the Lord, right? The son is the Lord. The son is Jesus. Jesus is God, right? That's, that's really what I'm always trying to get across. And so in this Psalm, you can see the age in which we live right now. And it's a beautiful age. We live in the age of grace. No matter what you have done, you can turn from it and turn towards Christ and say, I am wrong, you are right. He will embrace you in infinite love no matter what you've done. However, there is an age coming where he rules with a rod of iron and he comes back in judgment and wrath and the Bible lays it all out crystal clear. And so I really hope you guys uh, enjoyed this. Uh, this is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, in Psalms, and I just think it's amazing. 
Um, be sure and check out uh, my blog. If you go to the news, I haven't posted much, but you can read an article. People are fighting over the Mount of Olives and the temple in Zion to this day. Uh, you can trace uh, this war back to Jacob and Esau between Israel and, and, and different Arabic groups. Um, it's pretty wild. Um, so yeah, foolishministries.com. And be sure if you want uh, subscription updates, if you want a text message every time I do something new, text FOOLISH to 66599. Have a great day.